0: Acts in chapter 9, if you will, Acts in chapter 9, we're going to continue a series that I've I've been having in the evening services uh, when I preached this summer on the scatterers, um, those who were persecuted, those who were purposed, and then those who proclaimed. And uh, tonight we'll look at Ananias, an astonished yet available apostle, an astonished yet available Apostle, Acts chapter 9, verse number 1. If you have found it, and you're able to, if you'll stand to your feet uh, tonight, we're going to read the scripture here, a few verses. Um, we'll go through many more than what we'll read tonight. But Paul says in verse number 1, "...and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way... "'Whether they were men or women, "'he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. "'And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. "'And suddenly there shined around about him "'a light from heaven. "'And he fell to the earth, "'and heard a voice saying unto him, "'Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me?' "'And he said, Who art thou, Lord?' "'And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. "'It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks.' And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul rose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand, and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did Eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord, in a vision, Ananias? And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Paul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. And as seen in the vision, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way, as thou camest, hast sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes that had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose, and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us, and thank you for your word. Thank you for its power. Lord, as i spent time studying and preparing this message, Lord, you prompted my heart once again at how amazing your word is, how alive it is, and how life changing it can be if we'll let it. Lord, though it was written years ago, it's still relevant even today. It's powerful, it's quick, sharper than any two edged sword, it's as a hammer. Lord, it's as a fire, and I pray that it'll do just that for us tonight. And I pray that it'll seep in, change our hearts, change our minds, change our actions, or maybe work. Maybe look past the messenger, or look to you. What I want is simply be a vessel that you use. Be with the children in the nursery as they minister to each other right now, and I pray it'll be with the service here and those online tuning in, may they know they're loved and cared for and appreciated. And be with those who are sick and afflicted, and those who are struggling be with those who are carrying burdens, Lord, and are overwhelmed. Well, I pray they'll come to you. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, in his late 80s, my father-in-law went to, not my father-in-law, uh, the story goes, <laughs> uh, went to the, he's probably watching right now, by the way, so I had to make sure that was correct there. He went to the DMV to renew his driver's license. And at one point during the road test, he approached a four-way stop, looked to his left, and rolled right through the cross section. Sir, you didn't look to your right, yelled the frightened inspector. My father-in-law calmly shook his head. That's mom's side. And talk about someone who's astonished tonight. That's who Ananias was. He was astonished. He couldn't believe that God would choose him to do this biggest great thing, but even more so. He was astonished that God chose him to go and minister to Saul. He was fearful. He was also an available person. It reminds me of a man who was waiting at a small train station. And when he got there, he saw another man put up a sign regarding the train. It said, 30 minute delay. Oh, the guy thought, that's not too bad. I can wait 30 minutes. But he goes and says, what happened? Well, the train went off the rails, the man said. Well, how long will that take to fix quite a few hours. So why did you put up a sign saying it would take 30 minutes? Well, the man said it's the only sign we have. And, you know, we have someone, sometimes God just takes the available. It doesn't make sense. No one would have picked him, but God did. And that's how you and I probably feel most of the time. God, why did you pick me? Why are you using me? I I don't know. I just uh, was in the way, if you will, as we see in the story today. And God used you. And here we have a man who's astonished, yet he's available. Ananias, his name means favored of the Lord. And he dwells in the city of Damascus. Damascus, of course, is about six days journey on foot from Jerusalem. And many uh, believe that Ananias was the reason why the gospel came to this community. Uh, they believe Ananias was one of the 70 that was sent, if you will, Uh, from Jesus in Acts 22, verse 12, And one, Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there. And perhaps this was the man who brought the gospel uh, to Damascus. And it was about 50 miles from the Mediterranean coast. It was a very influential city, a very commercial hub, much fruit, much wool, cotton, nuts, grains, olives. Much stuff was grown here. And so it was a very... A profitable area, very successful area, very affluent area, very powerful area. It was on a a main road there that connected uh, Rome there with, with other places. And it was flourishing in the New Testament times. And because of that, Saul was sent there to make sure the gospel wouldn't take root and take a foothold and spread in this city. He wanted to seize the Christians who fled there. He wanted to prevent Christianity from spreading and taking over the city, and then continuing on, this very influential city was also very well connected and could continue to spread. He wanted to keep the Christians from causing any trouble with Rome. He wanted to advance his own career and his own reputation. And Saul had a reputation and a career to build. And he wanted to unify the factions of Judaism by giving them a common enemy. Isn't that the case even today? seems like everybody hates Jesus Christ. They may not get along any other way, but if you hate Jesus, it's amazing how they kind of bond together. But today we see a group of people that love Jesus, and Saul was out to get them. He was bound and determined, but God said, no, not happening. We see a man who was available. He experienced fear, yet he demonstrated faith. And God used this fearful man who demonstrated faith to help further one of the greatest Christians ever, as we know the Apostle Paul. But tonight I want us to see just four things as far as this particular man. Are you available? Are you astonished that God would use you? Do you feel a little fearful? But will you remain faithful? And you can see God do great things through you. So let's look at this story in three sections tonight. If you're writing number one, we see the cruelty against the Christians, the cruelty ...against the Christians. The Bible says in verse number 1... ...and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings... ...and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord... ...went unto the high priest... ...and desired of him letters to Damascus... ...to the synagogues. We see a consuming wrath. There's a consuming wrath here. This cruelty is stemmed... ...and it's fueled by a man... ...who has a consuming wrath. The Bible says there... Saul breathing out threatenings... ...and slaughter. He's literally spewing out anger... Towards Christians. He lives in an atmosphere of threats and slaughter. It was the very air he breathed. And some attribute that partly because he was from the tribe of Benjamin. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 5, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, touching the law of Pharisees. So he was a Pharisee, but he was also from the tribe of Benjamin. Now. You and I be, be sitting here today and say, what's so great about the tribe of Benjamin? Well, Jacob, when he's given his prophecy, if you will, to Benjamin, the Bible says in Genesis 49, verse 27, Benjamin shall raven as a wolf, and in the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. And it shows that people from this tribe are very passionate. Uh, they can also be overwhelming a little bit and be fueled by that. Have you ever met someone who just seems to have a lot of energy? And that was Saul. He was very energetic. He was very passionate. And he was fueled by this religion, this false religion, if you will. He was fueled by this very thing that caused him to be very aggressive. And he was especially cruel toward those who were true disciples of the Lord. In fact, we saw last week, did we not, where a tribe of Dan allowed religion to fuel them to end up wiping out a whole community of lates. All under the guise of we are establishing our own quote-unquote, kingdom, if you will. And so we see there is a consuming wrath, but there's also a collective wrath. It's not just Saul. No, Saul has some other people stirred up behind him, and the Bible says he went into the high priest. Now, why did he go to the high priest? Well, we see Ananias relates to this later when he says to God that he has letters of authority that he can come to Damascus. So, really, Saul was out of his jurisdiction coming to Damascus, but because if he could get some letters from the high priest, he could get permission. And so he went to the high priest. And it was interesting because the high priest is a Sadducee. Paul is a Pharisee. The Bible says in Acts 26 verse 5, which knew me from the beginning, they, if they would testify, that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. The Pharisees and the Sadducees did not get along very well. But they did get along in this case. They both hated Christians. They hated Jesus Christ. In fact, Matthew 26, verse 3 says, Then assembled together the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people unto the place of the high priest who was called Caiaphas. So we see the high priest here is a Sadducee. He's not very happy. Because if you remember when I preached, I believe a week or two ago, on Philip who went to Samaria, he started reaching the Samaritans. Samaritans were not someone who was supposed to be included in the gospel, if you will. And the, the Jews were not happy about this. And because the Samaritans are starting to get saved, the Jews are getting even more infuriated. And the high priest is not happy. Paul knows this, or Saul at the time, and he believes he can go and get the letters from Caiaphas. And the Bible says in verse number two, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues. And it's interesting, as I see today, a collective wrath against the followers of Jesus Christ. And don't we still feel that today at times? You stand for Jesus Christ, and you're going to hear about it. May I say today, we should still stand. And we see a collective wrath. We see a consuming wrath coming from Saul, which is now spreading. He gets the Pharisees and the Sadducees, very powerful men behind him. And we see there a collective wrath. So who are they upset about? Well, the Bible says there, he went into the high priest. And then we see in verse number two, The Bible says there, if there's any of this way. Now what's interesting here, the Bible says that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. Now that phrase there, any of this way, is interesting because up to this point, there was really no term for those who had accepted Christ. Now they weren't called Christians until Antioch, right, which is a couple chapters later. And so there's not really a term for these new believers, but some believe that those who are of this way, was really kind of their code phrase. That was kind of what they were called, any of this way. And they believe it was originated because in Acts 19, 9, 19, verse 23, Acts 22, verse 4, 24, verse 14, 24, verse 22, we see they were referred to as of this way. In fact, Jesus Christ, did he not say in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In fact, he alluded to his way as the straight way. In Matthew 7, verse 13, Enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. So there's something about this way. It's a straight way. It's a narrow way. It's only through one person, and that is Jesus Christ. In fact, Isaiah prophesied this. In Isaiah 40, verse 3, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, and make straight a day, In the desert, a highway for our God. In fact, John the Baptist alluded to this several times. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. And prior to the general acceptance of the term Christian, they were probably referred to as the way. So we see this uh, consuming wrath by Saul is now becoming kind of a, a collective, if you will, by incorporating the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the high priests involved. And now we see it's a calculated wrath. It's zeroed in on certain people who refer to themselves as the way. They are following the true way. Well, no high priest wants to hear that. He believes his way is the right way. And so Saul here is fueled up. He's ready to take that next step, if you will, in his career. He's climbing the ladder. He gets the Pharisees and Sadducees behind him. He gets the high priest. He gets the letters. He's ready to go. And so what do we see? Well, we see in walking in the way of righteousness what they are known for. They were not known for their buildings or their church membership. They were known for one way, walking in the way of righteousness. By the way, isn't that a good way to be known for? Walking in the way of righteousness. I couldn't help but hear many of our teenagers today saying, I just want to fall in love with Jesus more. I just want to follow the Lord more. I want Jesus to have my life. I want, as one girl said, I want to live a righteous life. May I say today, that should be our desire as well. I get it, we're Christians. But may we also be walking in the way of righteousness. Not just talk the talk, but walk the walk. 2 Peter 2.21 says, For it has been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And there's something about those who walked in the way that they were going to face some persecution. And so they hear about Saul coming. They hear that he has letters approved uh, from the high priests. They know their time is becoming short. There was probably some fear in the land and they're ready for persecution. It reminds me of the story of a young lady who was a Russian countess. And she accepted Lord Jesus as her Savior and was open about her testimony. She was very bold about it, and the czar was displeased and threw her in prison. After 24 hours of the lowest of Russian society and the most miserable conditions imaginable, he ordered her brought into his presence. He smiled sarcastically and said, Well, are you ready now to renounce your silly faith and come back to the pleasures of the court? He was surprised when the countess smiled serenely and said, I have known more real joy and more real happiness in one day in prison with Jesus than I have known in a lifetime in the courts of the Tsar. She found out what was really the easy way. And may I say, when you experience Jesus Christ, nothing else matters. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. I want to encourage you tonight. It's not always always popular. It's not always easy. It's not always fun. It's always the best way, walking in the way of righteousness. And may we strengthen our walk with Jesus Christ. And so we see the cruelty, if you will, against the Christians. But number two, if you're writing tonight, I want us to see the conversion of Saul. Now Saul, if you remember, has seen Stephen die at his hands, if you will, die at his word. He has seen now these Christians, of course, walking in the way. And whether he wants to admit it or not, his heart is... It's perhaps being stirred, his conscience is being troubled, but he is determined to make this trek to Damascus, and as he goes, we see the conversion of Paul. But before we do, may I encourage us that there is hope for anyone? Amen. Sometimes we can get frustrated with the way our world is going. May I say I, I can be there too. I try not to keep my head in the sand, but It's hard sometimes to hear about all the negativity that's going on around us. We want to stay positive and have the joy of the Lord. But may I say, nothing's too big for God. May I say, He is in control. And may we just continue to be faithful and sharing our faith. Even to those that we think, they would never want to accept Christ. So we see tonight a sudden conversion a sudden conversion. The Bible says, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. So he's getting close. I mean, it's a six day journey. And of course the reports are probably coming. Hey, Saul's coming and he is mad. He is wrathful. (laughs) He is frustrated. He is ready to take you out. You better be on watch because he is coming. But as he journeyed, which is probably the route um, of the Roman road, which connects Jerusalem to Damascus, And as he walks that way, as one commentator said, I thought it was interesting, on this road Saul traverses by the chief scenes of our Lord's ministry. And it perhaps stirred him to madness by the progress which the new sect had made in the cities of Samaria. Perhaps he's even getting more frustrated. Maybe his anger is growing, his temper is getting hot and... He's getting mad. He's getting upset. There's no reason why this should be happening. And I'm going to stop it. And as he goes, we see a light from the Lord himself. May I say tonight, that same light shines to us as well. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God, who had commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful tonight for the person maybe who shared that light with you? I grew up in church all my life. My dad is a deacon from the day I was born and the church. My mom uh, taught four- and five-year-olds for years and years and years. Uh, my dad's been a Sunday school teacher, a bus captain, and really every position in the church they've been. and I was in church more than I wasn't. I remember being at church almost every day of the week. And, and if there was revival, I was there every day and every night of the week. We almost brought our pillows with us and just slept there. Very, very involved in church. But it wasn't until I was a 10-year-old boy when I realized, I'm not saved. I'll never forget the day where that conviction set in and the light came into my heart. And I gave Jesus Christ my life. It changed my life completely. And here's Saul, who is so upset, so frustrated, we see it not only a sudden conversion, we see a sure conversion. The Bible says when that light comes, he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecuteth thou me? The narrative implies that the persecutor saw the form of the Son of Man, as we just read, but he also hears his voice. Of course, the apostle Paul relates to this later in 1 Corinthians 9.1, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not ye yet are not ye my work in the Lord? And first Corinthians fifteen, eight, and last of all he was seen in me also as one of born out of due time. And so we see that Paul Saul did see Jesus Christ. He saw, he saw the bright light. Elicot says this. If we ask as to the manner of the appearance, it is natural to think of it as being such as have met the gaze of Stephen. Of course, we know the martyr said this in Acts 7, verse 56. I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Just a few days from the time where Stephen has seen Jesus Christ as he reached down his hand to Stephen, just a few days later we see the persecutor sees the same Jesus Christ. There's a change in his life. I thought this interesting. I read this quote as well. Now he too saw the Son of Man and the glory of the Father stretching forth his hand, not now as he had then done, to receive the servant who was faithful unto death. But he responds in answer to that servant's dying prayer to transform the persecutor into the likeness of his victim. Flip the page back, if you will, to, verse, to chapter number 7 and verse number 59. And they sown Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Can you imagine? and the dying moments of Stephen, the martyr. God heard that prayer. And just a few days later, God answered that prayer. May I say tonight, you may never know this side of heaven, your prayer is being answered. But I'm thankful tonight that we have a God that hears our prayers. And Saul was able to respond to the same Jesus, who that treasured servant Stephen had responded to just a few days before. I don't know about you, but that would be a life-altering occurrence. A life-changing occurrence. Wow, Jesus is talking to me! And so we see the conviction of a sin. Saul responds, "Why persecuteth thou me?" Of course, Jesus says that, and Saul thought he was pursuing heretics, but in all reality, he was not pursuing heretics. He was persecuting Jesus himself. We know this because in Matthew 25:40 it says, in the king. Shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it to me. Je- Saul wasn't persecuting, pursuing heretics. No, he was persecuting Jesus himself. So what does Saul say? Saul says, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. It's like an ox rebelling against the goading of a driver. And Saul is not helping himself. Instead, He is rebelling against God. So we see conviction of sin setting in. But then we see a confession of faith. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go to the city, and it shall be told what thou must do. We see Paul acknowledges Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And that wicked man, that awful man, gave his life to Jesus Christ and he was saved instantly. Aren't you thankful tonight for the saving grace of Jesus Christ? Not of works that we have done, but by his grace we are saved. We see even Paul, the worst amongst us, gloriously accepted Christ as his Savior. So, what does that happen? Well, true conversion comes from a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, but it also should lead to a new life in relationship with him. And we see this man under the commission of of the high priest of the Sanhedrin, now finds himself in submission to the true king, Jesus Christ. The true high priest, Jesus Christ. We see he goes from being commissioned by one to submitting to the other. We see a change of heart. Reminds me of the man who was unsure about his choice of clothes for church, so he sought some counsel from his wife. He asked his wife, he said, Babe... Do you think I should change? Well, of course, as some woman will, she took advantage of the opportunity and replied, It depends. Are you talking about changing your shirt? Or wholesaling change as a human being? (laughs) We see, sometimes, we get more than we bargain for. But Jesus Christ wants a true change in our life, does he not? He wants a repentant heart. And what happens to Paul? That very thing. Because we see not only was it a sudden conversion, not only was it a sure conversion, but it was a sanctifying conversion. Look at verse number 8. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. What's interesting here, when Christ bade him, he, of course, probably looked straight into Jesus Christ. The light was so bright, he became blinded. A lot of people believe, but he could not see. He was very faint and very weak, of course, we know this happened with Daniel in Daniel 10 verse 16. When Daniel also uh, uh, saw the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, I have no strength. So what do they do? These people that probably didn't really stare in the face of Jesus Christ, maybe the bright light, they looked away and saw as he was having that conversation, continue to look. And he's very weak, very faint. These other men were able to pick him up and take him there into Damascus. And, Bible says in Acts 22 verse 11, "And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus." And so that's just what happens. Saul comes on this mission to destroy these Jews, these, these Christians, And all to find out that there's no alarm, because he is a changed man, First Corinthians 15 verse7. After that, he was seen of James and all of the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. We see Saul experience the presence of God, and it changed his life forever. May I say tonight, just an application, the presence of God is for every Christian that has been born again. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says, And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. May we be a church tonight and teenagers, may you not forget or lose that presence with God you had this week. And may you seek for it. And by the way, if you seek it, the Bible says you will find it. God doesn't want to hide from you, but he wants you to seek him out. And May we seek for the presence of God. In fact, Moses had a special place to seek the presence of God and a tent outside the camp. David sought God daily with passion and fervor. In fact, He had more thirst for God than water. The Bible says in Psalms 34, verse 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. How about you tonight? Are you tasting and seeing that the Lord is good? Do you have that personal walk with him? Do you have that time together? By the way, he doesn't make you. He doesn't grind you to it. He's just waiting for you. Well, you spend time with him. But what's interesting here is the conversion is not where the stopped. No, no, no. We see a continuation tonight. And last, all, well, number three, we see the continuation of faith. The continuation of faith. And we see the Lord's commission to Ananias. The Bible says, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise. And go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarshish, for behold, he prayeth. And as seen in a vision, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive sight. Here we see tonight simply one thing. We see the importance and necessity of follow-up and discipleship. You see, Jesus wasn't just going to save Paul. He was going to send someone to help teach him and train him And the way he should go. May I say tonight, may we never lose the heart of a soul-winning church. God has blessed his church because of its soul-winning. And because of its care for souls. May we never though forget the importance of follow-up and discipleship. Of training. So that one day, those who we lead to Christ will be able to go out and do it as well. And so we see tonight that Paul wasn't just left... He was gone after. In fact, we see the former persecutor now praying to Jesus Christ. And so, Ananias there is getting this commission from Jesus. And then we see the concern of Ananias in verse 13. Oftentimes, isn't this the truth? When we get a commission from God, we'll have a concern. Have you ever been there before? You feel the Lord nudging on your heart. And you say, well, Lord... Wait a minute here. What about this, this, and this? And we see that Ananias is no different. He says that Ananias answered, "Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to Thy saints at Jerusalem, and here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind on all that call on His name." So basically, he says, "Hey, I know how much problems he's caused in Jerusalem and how dangerous it is. And he used to not have any authority in Damascus, but he does." He's just as dangerous here as in Jerusalem. God, you know this. Have you ever asked that of God? God, you know about this? (laughs) Do we forget sometimes that he's omniscient? He's all-knowing. We see Anias here brings attention to the Lord. And he says basically this, Not him, Lord. That's impossible. He could never become a Christian. But we must obey and follow God's leading even when he leads us to difficult people and difficult places. God calls us to commitment, not comfort. I shared this yesterday uh, in the uh, uh, outreach meeting, the soul winning meeting, before we went out. I was taking a walk on Thursday and was trying to get my mile or two in, and I was on a good pace. You know, I have my watch, and it was showing me, you're doing good. I always like it when my watch tells me I'm doing good you know, sometimes you don't get that, just anyone, but your watch tells you, and then then it'll come back, you've been kind of lazy today, no, it doesn't say that, but it basically says, you know, come on, you got this, oh yeah, thank you for the reminder, okay, and uh, uh, about that time, a neighbor pulled up beside me, and and he put his truck in gear, and then he turned it off, I said, oh boy, this isn't going to be quick, so we started talking, and in fact, uh, Um, he was telling me about his father who'd passed away, and they're having a sale, and um, you could tell his heart was heavy. And I remember, actually, uh, Pete Munsterman, you know who this is. Um, He's worked with him many years, um, and uh, he had told me that he had suffered a heart attack recently. So I asked him about that, and I said, you know, tell me about that. So he did. He said, you know, I I was in down south over by Medford, and And my heart just stopped. So I got taken to Grants Pass, and they took me to Medford. And he said, two times my heart stopped. And they didn't know if they were going to get me going. In fact, when they finally got me going, the doctor said, we're number five in the nations for heart attacks. He says, I'm one of the best doctors there are. And uh, and you're very fortunate. And uh, I was talking to my neighbor, and I said, well, I said, I can tell you why you're still here. I said, the Lord's not done with you. I started sharing the gospel with him, and about 20 minutes later, he bowed his head and accepted Christ as his Savior. Tears down his eyes, he took out his hand and he gave me a big shake. He says, best day ever. (laughs) You know, I hope, and my prayer is, one day he'll be sitting in these pews, and I'll be able to disciple him. But until then, I'm excited about the joy of the Lord on on his heart. But I'll just say this, I had no intent, zero intent, on going soulening right then. I was intent on beating that, that, that good pace, you know. May I say, oftentimes, the moving of the Holy Spirit in someone's heart, and, and Him opening a door for you, is usually in the times you're not expecting it. Now, I'm all for scheduled soulening. In fact, we do it. But may we always be ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Amanias is saying, Lord, are you sure? Him? No way! And God says, yes. Just go. And so we see the command of the Lord in verse 15. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. And Ammonious went his way and entered into the house and put his hands upon him and said, Brother Saul... Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou comest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. What did Ananias do to God's command? Oh, he greeted Saul lovingly. It just goes to show tonight that it's not always easy to love people, is it not? Sometimes we're afraid or we doubt their motives. May I say Jesus gives us a great example in John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Aren't you thankful tonight that Ananias didn't give an excuse for doing the Lord's work? Can you imagine how, how much of us would have been impacted had Ananias hadn't gone to Saul and to help disciple him? Imagine how so many churches, how the world couldn't have necessarily been turned upside down, if you will. Half the New Testament maybe wouldn't have been written. I know God would have found a way regardless if Ananias would have gone or not. But I simply say that delayed obedience is disobedience. Ananias decided to go. Even though he was afraid, he went because he had faith in his God. Some people don't want to accept their need for change. The story is told about a doctor who told a man to give up red meat... So the man stopped putting ketchup on his hamburgers. (laughs) But Paul definitely changed. He was a different man. He was willing to do whatever it took to follow his God. And what are the results of obedient faith rather than fear in this story? Well, Saul took the first steps on the road that would lead him across the Roman Empire, preaching the gospel. Verse 18, and then immediately... There fell from his eyes that had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose, and was baptized. And when he had received me, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Sometimes we forget that Saul was very knowledgeable in the things of God. It's a Pharisee, very strict, religious. He just needed to get saved. And he was able to change his message. The story is told of artist Paul Gustave Doerr. He was traveling in Europe when he faced a predicament. He reached a border crossing and discovered that he had misplaced his passport. Without his papers, the officer wouldn't allow Doerr to pass. Doerr is a very famous man. Everybody knew who he was. But to make sure he truly was Doerr, they gave him a test to prove his identity. The official gave him a piece of paper and a pencil and requested that he draw a picture of some nearby peasants. Dorr did so with such ease that the official was convinced he was indeed the famed artist. And we know Paul truly got saved because we see the results of it. Now that's not up to us to decide if someone truly got saved or not. But isn't it wonderful when someone gives their life to Christ and then God changes their life. They become sanctified and they become a vessel that God can use. It's neat to see through the years so many people that this ministry is touched. Thankful for the faithfulness and the love of the Muchlers and all the staff. Many of you deacons have been here longer than I've been alive. You've been faithful. You've loved people. You've cared for people. I'm thankful today to see more and more lives still being changed. May I say that's the power of the gospel. That's what happens when a church gets a hold of the Great Commission. We see that Paul does something about the experience he had. He wanted to live for Christ now. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. He was fierce. He was aggressive. But now he is aggressive and going in the right direction. And then last of all, I think it's interesting, if you look at church tradition, Ananias was one day martyred in Eulethoropolis. The very man who was fearful, but stepped out by faith, continued to live by faith, and one day was martyred because of his devotion to his God. I just think it's a great reminder tonight that if you are fearful, hey, join the crowd. But don't live it. Don't stay in fear. Decide to step out by faith. If you're astonished that God would use you, remain available so God can continue to use you. And may you be in the way of righteousness. May people see you and say, you know what? They don't just talk the talk. They truly do love their God. As my father-in-law has said to me often, they actually acted like a Christian. Do not we need more and more of us, and not just say we are, but to live and model Christ? May I say, oftentimes, Lord knows my heart. I'll take long walks, and my heart is wrestling. I'm trying to do the right thing, and I failed. But I know one thing: that God wants to just keep using us if we'll be available. We'll just keep typing out by faith, and He wants to continue to use you as well. Every head bowed every eye closed tonight. And Ananias, and astonished, yet available. I don't know about you tonight. I don't know about me tonight. I don't know how much I would have been excited about going to confirm, if you will, a man like Saul in the faith. I'm thankful Ananias was willing to. He was willing to go to Damascus and share the gospel. And then God used him to do even greater things. Uh, maybe there's someone here tonight that would say, Pastor Justin, I, I don't even know how to share the gospel because I don't know Christ. I've never accepted God as my Savior. And I didn't realize He came for me. I didn't realize He loves me. I don't know, He died for me on the cross, and He paid for my sin debt for me. And man, I'd love to know for sure I'm going to heaven. Pastor Justin, will you pray for me tonight? With every head bowed, every eye closed, how many would say, Pastor Justin, that's me? I need to know for sure I'm going to heaven. If that's you, we slip up your hand tonight. I want to pray for you. Say, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I'll be honest with you. I, I, uh, I, I, I've been astonished a lot. I've, I've been fearful a lot. But I, I want to be available. I want to be stepping out by faith. Will you pray for me that I'll be that kind of Christian? If that's you, we slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you. Maybe there's someone tonight that would say, you know, this thing about walking in the way of righteousness, I I need to continue to do that. Pastor Justin, will you pray for me that I'll walk in the way of righteousness? God bless you. Lord, you see the hands, you know the hearts. I don't know what what all you'll do tonight in this message. I know you stirred my heart. I want to walk in the way of righteousness. Lord, though I'm fearful at times, though I'm astonished at times, I want to always be available for you. I want to always walk by faith and not by sight. Lord, you know my heart. How many times have I felt like Ananias? How many times has the souls of this world bothered me and caused me to fear, caused me to worry, caused me to wonder? Lord, I've always, you know my heart, Lord, I've always tried to remain available. Always been astonished that you'd use me. I pray that we'll continue to remain that way so you can use us. May you use our faith to do great things for you. We sure do love you, Lord. Thank you so much for loving us. Bless this invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand to your feet, the piano will play. If the Lord spoke to your heart tonight, I encourage you to come forward. And as Brother TJ said this morning, there's something about come on forward sometimes to just reassure that in your heart, that decision. Maybe you'd like to stay there in your pew. That's fine. May I encourage you to just spend some time right now talking with God, reflecting on the message of God's word that he had for us tonight. As the piano plays, may you take a moment or two. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart. Allow God to touch your heart. Spend some time in prayer tonight. You may be seated tonight. We have a video we're going to share, and I think we have a decision as well. We'll make mention in just a second. Let's go ahead and um, show the video tonight, just a few announcements uh, that are coming up. Thank you for your faithfulness. I know for many of you it's been a long week and a long day. Appreciate you being here tonight, and I hope you have a great week this week. Hope you know you're loved and appreciated. Let's watch this video, and then uh, we have, I think, one, one more thing, and then we'll be dismissed. The Grandview Nursery is looking for volunteers to serve once or twice a month. If this is a place you'd like to serve, please sign up at the welcome desk or see Miss Alicia Latham. Our Young Adult Conference will be held Friday and Saturday, August 11th and 12th with Pastor Kurt Stelling. The conference cost is only $25 and starts on Friday at 5, with Saturday sessions beginning at 8.30 a.m. and ending by 1. If you or someone you know is interested in attending, you can learn more from the information on the schedules at the Welcome Desk or by going to our website, grandviewcares.com forward slash events. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you, and you will receive a gift card. Have a great week, and we will see you Wednesday night at 7 p.m. One more thing. We have Lauren Davis, um, our new teacher, has come forward uh, to place her membership here. And all in uh, favor of Lauren joining, say aye. Aye. All right. It's official. Welcome to the family. Of course, she has saved and baptized, and uh, our requirements here at the church. And we're so thankful to have her here at our church. And we're looking forward to serving the Lord together and the years to come. Okay, you are dismissed. Have a great week.